If you don't have an email list, then you don't have a direct line to your customers. Reaching your clients, audience, supporters, and fans with the right message at the right time in the right place becomes easy when you've got a strategic email list in place. My email list is the number one way I drive profits in my business. And major bonus here, it's a lot easier and way more fun than you might think. That's why I'm teaching a free live workshop all about growing your email list called From Zero Subscribers or Zero Strategy to an Engaged Email List That Lasts. I'll show you how to kick off your email list building strategy with no fear because I know it can be scary to start something new in your business. Save your virtual seat at growanemaillist.com. Inside of my free live workshop, you'll learn why email marketing is 10 times more effective than posting on social media, my secret to sending out weekly emails without adding a ton of work to my plate, my best tips for getting people to hit subscribe, and what to actually say to them to convert them from subscribers to paying clients and customers. Save your seat now at growanemaillist.com. That's growanemaillist.com to get started with an email list strategy that drives real results. I'll see you at the masterclass. Never once did I talk about wanting to look a certain way, fit into a certain size jeans, lose a certain amount of weight. I literally just kept focusing on here's how I want to feel. Here's how I want to move through my days. Here's how I want to wake up and be energized. Hey, my name is Jenna Kutcher, and I am obsessed with all things business, marketing, numbers, and helping you to navigate both the messy and the magical seasons of this thing called life. I'm a small town mama who took a $300 camera, grew a successful photo biz, and now I work from home and run a seven-figure online business. I teach you the tried and true secrets to building a career you adore. Shy away from the real talk? (laughs) No way. Money, hardship, growth, loss, and marketing are all topics we discuss here. Think of this as your one-stop shop for happy hour with a gal pal mixed with business school. Pull up a seat, make sure you're cozy, and get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn. This is the Gold Digger Podcast. You know, I had a really peculiar experience starting this year off. And it was interesting to me because most of the time when I'm setting my New Year's resolutions or creating a vision board or having goals for the year, I often feel this kind of sense of maybe defeat or disappointment in what happened over the last year. And this time around, there was one area of my life that was just really transformative for me. It's something I've talked about on the show before, but something that I followed through on for the entirety of last year and the results have shown. In fact, the results have had you asking me questions every single day. And the topic that I'm talking about is my health. Over a year ago, I kind of made this decision that I wanted to move through life in a different way. I wanted to feel differently. I wanted to feel vibrant in my days. And my word of the year last year was the word vibrant. I didn't want to just look vibrant. I wanted to feel it. I wanted to embody it. I wanted it to be something that people noticed. And boy, did you guys notice. And it was really interesting kicking off this year and looking at the last year and feeling really proud of myself because my health transformation took an entire year and it's probably going to take the rest of my life. And when I get really deep on why it finally stuck and why last year I actually achieved that goal of feeling vibrant, I look at so many different factors from nutrition to exercise, to different health devices, to the people that I brought into my life to help advise me on my health. And so today I'm going to be answering your biggest questions when it comes to health and habits, things like what I eat in a day and the devices I use and how much all of this costs. I'm going to dive deep into this and I am so excited to answer your biggest questions about my health journey in today's episode. And real quick, before we dive in, if you have not yet listened to episode 608, which is a vulnerable look into my health journey and why it's finally stuck, please, please, please start at that episode. It is a holistic explanation 
of my why, of some of my past mindset barriers, of some of the big shifts that I made. So go back to episode 608. I've linked it for you in this show description as well. And that would be a beautiful place to dive into before you listen to today's episode. But without further ado, let's dive on in. You had questions and boy, do I have answers. Here we go. If you need a new, interesting, and inspiring podcast to add to your rotation, well, you've got to check out No Straight Path, hosted by Ashley Menzies Babatunde, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. You might recognize her name. Ashley was a guest on Gold Digger last year, and it was so awesome to hear her story and why she started her show. By shedding light on the stories behind the shiny resumes and social media highlights and job titles, No Straight Path aims to humanize success from the millennial perspective. Featuring guests from all walks of life, No Straight Path aims to inspire conversations around the nuanced perspective of success. Listen to No Straight Path wherever you get your podcasts. Before we dive into the show, I just wanted to start off this episode with saying that I know that health is really complex for a lot of us. And it's not even just physical. A lot of times it is mental and emotional. And so if you are at a place in your life where this sort of conversation isn't helpful, I highly encourage you to listen to any of the other episodes on the podcast. I just want to preface that like, I know how complicated health journeys can be. And I also know how triggering they can be. And so I want for you to use your best decision-making skills if this sort of episode and this topic of conversation is helpful for you and to discern if you want to keep listening. And I also want to state that I am absolutely not a medical expert, nor a doctor, nor am I offering any health advice. I think that should be obvious. I am just someone who always loves taking people on the journey And this has been one that I literally get asked about every single day. In fact, it's sometimes annoying because I'm like trying to talk about something highly unrelated to health. And all I get in my DMs are, how did you lose weight? What do you eat every day? How did your skin get clear? All of these questions. And so I wanted to create this episode as kind of this landing hub for a lot of the questions that I get asked daily. But I also just want to note that while I am not a medical advice giver, I am just a person who has been on this journey. I did consult with my amazing nutritionist, Bridget, on some of the questions that you guys had just to get her context and her perspective. And so I wanted to run everything through the lens of a professional. But again, this is not medical advice. This is just my own experience. So first... You guys had a lot of questions about exercise and I shared this in a recent episode, but my word of the year for this year is strong. And it's not just about being physically strong, though that's a part of it. I also want to feel strong in my convictions. And I want to feel strong in the direction that I'm leading my business in. And I want to feel strong as a mother and a wife. Strong is my word of the year. And part of this is that last year, exercise was something that wasn't a huge part of my life. I think a lot of times, especially for me... When I am like postpartum and breastfeeding, which I am still breastfeeding right now, my energy like goes into every place of my life before it goes into exercise. And I am curious, I don't know if it's just a me thing or if it's normal, but I'm very curious to see what my energy levels and what happens with my hormones when I do stop nursing Quinn. But for the current time and for the foreseeable future, I am going to continue our nursing journey. And it's kind of interesting because before I had children and before my body went through pregnancies and childbirth... I loved like super intense workouts. Drew and I have run two full marathons. I used to do CrossFit five days a week. And I now crave gentle workouts. For me, like the ideal workout is like a 20 minute bar class followed by like light weights and arm movements or abs. I crave walking on a treadmill at an incline. I crave lighter spin classes. Like I don't know if this is something that will just follow me for the rest of my life or if it's just because I'm kind of still in that postpartum period of my life. But like, I crave like gentle workouts where I'm like thanking my body and strengthening my body and not like punishing my body. So for me, 
the biggest thing that I've always tried to do. And last year, while workout wasn't the priority, I was making sure I was getting in daily movement. It was interesting because I wear an Apple watch mostly so that I don't have to have my phone on me all the time. But like I would hit my movement goal every single day just through like playing with the kids and chasing them around and dancing in the kitchen. But this year, one of my biggest focuses is like more intentional movement. And so I have been doing like 20 minute Peloton strength workouts, especially because we're in transition. So we don't have like gym equipment with us. So I've been doing light weights. I have one set of dumbbells here at our lake house. And I've just been doing like gentle movement. Another thing that I've been doing is a lot of resistance training in the form of carrying my children. So we recently got snowshoes and I'll put Quinn on my back in our carrier, or I've been pulling Coco on her sled up this massive hill that is our driveway and just kind of trying to find different ways to get activity in. The other day, Coco and I did a 20-minute Peloton yoga class together. And while it wasn't an exceptional workout per se, it was such a beautiful bonding moment for us. And so I've really just been focusing on like, what does 20 minutes of intentionally working out look like for me? Most of the time, it's really gentle. But this year, I'm really focusing on strength. The next question was, what if exercising isn't your thing? Trust me, I get this. So I see firsthand how people are wired very differently when it comes to working out. My husband, Drew, he gets antsy if he doesn't work out. Like I can literally feel his anxiety. Like he craves movement every single day. He is a better person when he works out every single day. I am not that way. I would be very comfortable being a bump on a log and not moving. However, my mind knows that I will feel better when I work out. My body knows that I will feel stronger when I work out. And so for me, I've had to really reframe how I look at working out. I think in the past, if I didn't sweat or get red in the face, if I didn't feel sore the next day in my brain, chalked it up as like, this doesn't count. And now I'm like, no, 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 like just intentionally and thoughtfully moving my body counts. And so I've really been focusing on just trying to be consistent and also starting really small. So a lot of days I don't feel like working out and I'm like, okay, how about you just do five minutes? And if after five minutes you want to quit, that's fine. And generally speaking, once I get moving, I'm like, okay, I got this. Another 10 minutes, another 15 minutes. What does that look like? And so right now my aim is 20 minutes. The ultimate goal would be like 30 minutes of movement a day. But right now I feel like 20 feels like doable and I can't make excuses. I can make 20 minutes happen. And that's kind of where I'm at. But that is something that I am focusing on this year. One thing I'm super stoked about is with our new home, we have my office and then below my office is a gym space and it is attached to our garage. And what I'm hoping to do is to take my meetings as movement meetings, whether I'm sitting on our Peloton bike and just pedaling or walking on our treadmill. And so I'm really excited about having that space and having it right below my office as like a really accessible place to be. And I just cannot wait for that. So I think that's going to also really help me, but I'm not waiting for that to begin. I've been really consistent this year in just some simple workouts. And if you are on the Peloton app and want to follow me, Jenna Kutcher, you know, I love that accountability there as well. Okay. So next, I got a ton of questions about different devices. And I actually recorded an entire episode all about biohacking. So if you go to jennacutcherblog.com slash biohacking, or I linked that episode in the show notes in the description for today, I talk about biohacking, which is generally just different ways to impact your health. And a lot of times they are device assisted. And so I got a lot of different device questions. That episode is a fabulous place to listen to all of the different things that I invested in last year, tried out some of them I loved, some of them I didn't love so much, some of them I use daily and swear by. And so one of the questions that you asked is, do you wear an aura ring? And how do you like it? And so if you watch my Instagram stories, you will see me wearing it literally every single day. It is a gold ring that I wear on my middle finger. I seriously love it. I ordered it. I paid for it months ago. I wear it every single day. And the reason why I like it is I wear an Apple watch as well. But the aura ring is different to me. So one, I sleep with it on. I don't sleep with my Apple watch on. So the Aura Ring tracks my sleep. And I'm going to talk about my sleep in a minute, but it really helps me understand my sleep quality. And I'm going to explain how it transformed the way that I sleep. But that was a huge factor in me loving it. Number two, it helps me understand my body's recovery. 
So something that the Apple Watch doesn't do is Apple Watch just sets the same arbitrary goal every day, right? So if you have a movement goal on your Apple Watch, it's pinging at you to try to get moving. But what's different is, is the Aura Ring tracks like how your body is actually recovering using all these different metrics, like your heart rate variability, your body temperature, your sleep, your rest. And so what I love about it is that it'll give you a movement goal based on your recovery each day. And so that can change. For example, I started my cycle today. And so my movement goal is lower today because it sensed that I was actually starting my cycle, which is number three. The reason why I love it is that it has really incredible cycle tracking. So Aura recently linked up with natural cycles and it helps you predict your period. And it also helps you have insights and an understanding of when your cycle is likely coming, when you might be ovulating. And so I really like having those insights as well. And so I just love having this breakdown of sleep. I love how it looks at how your body is actually recovering and gives you recommendations based on that, whether it's sleep recommendations or movement recommendations. And then I also love it for cycle tracking. I linked up the Aura Ring in today's show description and show notes. I love mine. I have the gold version of it. I wear it every day. I think it's cute enough. And I like it a lot better than my Apple Watch. If I had to choose one or the other, I also like... And I was actually just talking to one of my team members about this. But I feel like the Apple Watch can kind of make you get like addicted to numbers and hitting different things. And I like that the ring is linked to an app on your phone and you're only getting those insights if you're actively looking for them. You can actually hide different things like calories and different things on your Aura app. And so you can really set it up to be motivational for you and not be a place that maybe creates too much checking in and too much habit tracking if that's something that can be kind of a sticky point for you. Okay, so the next question I got, and I just laughed at how it was posed is, how many hours a night do you sleep? Tell the truth. And this one just made me laugh on how it was asked. And so here's what's crazy. So when I got my aura ring, it tracks your sleep. And I had never really thought about my sleep in such a complex way. So it tracks your REM sleep, it tracks your deep sleep, it tracks your sleep efficiency, it tracks your latency, like how much time it takes for you to fall asleep at night. It has been so helpful. And then it gives you a daily rating score. So I pulled up my Aura score for the last month and for the year, and it is a 93 out of 100, which is really good. One of my friends was like, I am never in the 90s. And I was like, I am always in the 90s. Like I am always in the 90s. So get this, last night, random night, regular night, I got nine hours and 38 minutes of sleep. I know that is a lot of sleep, but like I am someone who needs a lot of sleep. I was in bed for 10 hours. Now my sleep is not uninterrupted. So Coco has recently started climbing into bed with us. It's something that we fought for a very long time. And honestly, it's something that is just, it's a time in our life where she is cuddling with us. Sometimes it's at five in the morning. Sometimes it's at midnight. You know, we're just in that season of life. And so I am not getting uninterrupted sleep, but I'm getting really good sleep. And part of that is, is that the ring has reminders that's into my phone. So like at 8 p.m., it's like time to start winding down. Drew and I, our goal is to be in bed by 9.30 at night to be sleeping before 10 o'clock. And then we generally wake up around 7 a.m. And so it's just been a really helpful tool in that. And it's been a huge prioritization. When I learn how sleep affects literally everything, I really started focusing on it. And it's just been a really awesome thing for us in our lives and just like a focus in terms of our health. Okay, so someone asked, where would you begin without the money to get different things like testing and products that work? So first, I would say focus on consistency with your nutrition. I'm going to talk about my nutrition in a minute, your sleep, your stress reduction and your movement. And I have found and I've learned, you know, the science of this is like setting one small goal at a time and then starting to show up for yourself and building your self-belief that you can be consistent. One benefit of lab results, and I'm going to break down my lab results in a little bit, is that they help you better understand the value of committing to lifestyle changes in order to move the needle on your internal health. So a lot of times, if you're looking at health and you're like, gosh, like, I don't even know where to begin. If you can't afford getting lab work done, and I'm going to explain why that's important, then jump to the next step of just focusing on consistency to start to get some of the outcomes that you want. 
consistency is such a huge thing. And I think that confidence comes from you being consistent. And so if you can start to follow through on some of your own goals and build up your confidence, that confidence is going to help you carry you to become more consistent. And then the other piece of this is if you have traditional insurance and you can get things like uh, annual physical covered, if you can ask your doctor to do different blood work and to ask for different biomarkers in your blood work, these can usually be covered by insurance. And so there are different ways that you can do this. And I'm going to kind of walk you through what I did with my lab work, but I had to pay out of pocket because I don't use traditional insurance. However, if you are able to leverage things like an annual physical and ask for different blood work to be done, you can start to collect some of that information and that data that will help you to understand where you can focus first. So following up on that question, so someone asked me like, what blood work panel did you do? And I actually get asked this a lot. So a year ago, I started working with Bridget. I'm going to link to some of her resources that you can check out in today's show notes and show description. And one of the first things that she did was a comprehensive blood panel. So this included basic markers that many doctors look at like cholesterol, but it also went much deeper because a lot of doctors in conventional medicine often tend to order the bare minimum. In fact, I just recently ordered blood work for both of my parents. They were amazing. And I was like, hey, like, understanding your labs is such a huge piece in your health. Like if I paid for it, would you be willing to just do basic lab work so that we can see where your values are and maybe figure out how we can optimize your health? And they were both like, sure, let's do it. And I've just really realized like how important our blood work can be. And so whether you have to kind of go the more general route with your regular doctor, if that's an option for you, or you have the ability to ask for specific biomarkers, it can really make a huge difference in knowing where your body is at and also then seeing the improvements and seeing the rewards of what you're doing. We also did an organic acids test that look at nutrient deficiencies. And this was really big too, because when we did this a year ago, I was you know newly postpartum. My body was kind of out of whack. We wanted to kind of figure out like, where do I need to focus in terms of nutrients? What kind of supplements do I need? We also did a fatty acid profile. I might be pronouncing this next one wrong, but this is where Bridget helped me on preparing for this episode. Nutrigenomics, I think. Nutrigenome? Nutrigenomics testing. This is why I have experts in my life that help me with this stuff, which is essentially a comprehensive genetic testing that goes more in depth than just the DNA methylation testing that I did. So I did at the beginning of last year a DNA methylation test, which shows where there are different breaks in my genes that can be impacted through supplementation. And this was actually really huge. I also got this from my parents recently, just because it was a game changer in understanding my DNA and my makeup and how to support where I have DNA breaks just based off of my parents and how I am. On top of that, then Bridget ordered this additional testing that kind of shows more. We're waiting on the results of that one. So this was just a recent one that we did. But these are all of the different panels and testing that we did. Again, a lot of these are extra. However, I have found that this sort of information that is so specific to me has been super helpful in me buying into what I need to do in terms of not just having general basic health knowledge, but having knowledge that is like, this is why your body is the way it is. This is why you need these certain things that maybe everyone else doesn't need. Okay. So someone asked, what are the five most significant changes in your labs? And Bridget helped me with this one. So first, lower inflammation. So two markers that measure inflammation improved significantly in my labs over the last year. And let me just tell you too, Seeing improvements in my labs was so motivating. It was so much more motivating than just looking at myself in the mirror or seeing the scale change. I wanted to know like, how are my insides doing? How is this actually like, how is all of this work actually changing my insides? So HSCRP and homocysteine, they went from moderate range to the lowest, most optimal range possible. Bridget was like literally blown away. This was a huge one. And you know, what's really interesting is when I look at past videos and photos of myself, I feel like I noticed the inflammation. Like I noticed that I look inflamed. And so that was really huge to see that I went from this moderate range to literally the most optimal range on both of those factors. I also was able to lower my fasting insulin, which indicates better insulin sensitivity. 
when Bridget came on the podcast and when I talked about my health journey, I talked about how I was basically like insulin resistant. Like my body was not reacting correctly. And so seeing that my fasting insulin got lowered significantly, that was very, very motivating to me. My triglycerides cut in half. I honestly don't even know what that means, but Bridget wrote that down as something that's important. So that's great. My fatty acid profile improved significantly. So she wrote this very long word, I think arachidonic acid to EPA ratio lowered by more than 66%. What's really cool about her is that when she gets my labs, she records this huge loom where she walks through everything and she explains them to me in layman's terms, which is great. And then my cholesterol lowered by 50 points. I honestly feel like a 60 something year old man talking about cholesterol, but hey, look at the proof is in the pudding. I got massive results. So for anyone that's in the medical world that's curious about what improved, those five things were massive improvements over the last year. And while I don't fully understand all of those things and those big words, I know that it was amazing to see the scales on my blood work go from red to green. Like that was really, really encouraging. So after that, the question was, what was the biggest way that you helped with your insulin resistance? So people were kind of asking about that topic. And that was honestly a really big focus for me. It kind of freaked me out when I learned that my body was literally not like processing correctly. I was, I mean, this might be slightly dramatic, but I was kind of pre-diabetic in certain ways. So there are many factors that contribute to insulin resistance with some of the most significant being one, a high glycemic diet, which was me. Two, excess fat accumulation around the waist. Three, high levels of inflammation. Four, poor sleep. Again, this is why I'm so obsessed with sleep. Five, excess stress. And six, sitting all day and getting little movement. I think a lot of people listening to this show might relate to a few of those, if not all of them. And the biggest key when it comes to food is eating lower glycemic foods. So less refined carbs. So If you've been listening to this show for years, you know that like I used to talk about my absolute love and adoration of macaroni and cheese. And I loved, you know, grilled cheese. I I basically ate like a toddler. I still very much like eating like children, but looking at less refined carbs, so less white bread, pasta, less added sugar, and then balancing your plate with protein, non-starchy vegetables, and carbs. When you start balancing your blood sugar, it helps you become more insulin sensitive. And when you become more insulin sensitive, it makes it easier to lose fat around your abdomen. When you lose fat around your abdomen and you lower your inflammation, this can contribute to better insulin sensitivity. It is all connected. So it's like this big circle. And so I feel like for me, looking at that list of six things that can contribute to insulin resistance and focusing slowly on changing each of those from sleep to movement, to my diet, to stress. That was a huge, huge, huge change for me. And a lot of you know that I use Levels, which is a software that helps read a CGM, which is a continuous glucose monitor. So it's basically a device that's tracked your arm that is constantly tracking your blood sugar. And you know it was really incredible. I recently did Levels again for two weeks. And just seeing that my body was appropriately responding to the sugar and to what I was eating was honestly super encouraging because before I could literally eat a Dairy Queen blizzard or I could eat a vegetable and my body would respond the same, which was a sign of insulin resistance. So it was actually cool to see like, wow, my body is actually responding appropriately and how I eat really does make a difference. Another question that I get asked very consistently is what supplements do you take? So I take about 12 supplements. It is not a short list. I actually have one of those like old school, like what your grandma has to organize your supplements. And every time I get asked this question, I do not answer it in the sense of everyone should be taking supplements that are personalized to your needs. It is not very beneficial for me to say, here's exactly what I take and to have you go out and buy the same things. As you can tell, I've done a lot of blood work. So I know what nutrients I am deficient in. I know where I need extra support. This is something that is best to tweak based on your own labs and your health goals and working with a professional. It can actually be potentially harmful to blindly take supplements without knowing whether they are in your best interest. 
And so I always just say like, if you can and have the ability to get lab work and then to create a supplement plan and routine around your labs, that is what I would recommend. At a very high level, my basic protocol includes a very high quality prenatal, omega-3s, a probiotic. I take maca for hormone balance, which I'll talk about in a minute. And I also take PGX, which is fiber capsule that can help with blood sugar control. So that's kind of a high level. And I've tweaked my supplements over the last year based on my labs. And it's also been really cool to see that a lot of the supplements that I've been taking have helped me get to optimal levels. And therefore, I can either decrease the dose or eliminate the dose altogether. But again, I've been working with professionals on that. So I just want to kind of give that advice. Someone said, when you are starting out, what helped you feel motivated? Again, episode 608 really dives into my why behind all of this. And I think why this journey actually stuck this time and why I'm still super gung-ho about it. But you know, in a TLDR fashion, my big desire last year was around energy. I honestly felt really anxious at the beginning of the year when I realized like having a second kid, I now have a toddler to chase, a newborn to feed. Plus, I have these really ambitious goals for my year. Last year, I launched my book, which took extreme effort and concentration and energy. And I wanted to be the best mom that I could be. And so for me, I really had to focus on how I wanted to feel. And that really transformed how I showed up and why I stuck with it. It was not about what I wanted to look like. In fact, I remember the first call that I did with Bridget, we talked for 20 minutes about what I wanted the outcome to be. And never once did I talk about wanting to look a certain way, fit into a certain size jeans, lose a certain amount of weight. I literally just kept focusing on here's how I want to feel. Here's how I want to move through my days. Here's how I want to wake up and be energized. And so I think that motivation, oftentimes we're linking it to this like external visual instead of like this internal feeling. And that really pivoted things for me. We all have bad habits. My bad habit is that I work with a million tabs open. Like literally, as I'm talking to you, I have so many tabs open. I can't even see what the tabs are. I am the worst. Does anyone else do this? Now, the thing is, is that bad habits tend to find their way into our businesses too. From emailing clients at 2am or spending way too much time and money on legacy software your IT person grandfathered in, or taking on tasks just because you can, not because you should. Well, it is time to break up with the bad business habits and break in new ways to bring our A-game in 2023. HubSpot's all-in-one connected CRM platform can help you there. It makes it easy to better connect your teams, data, and systems so that you can better connect with your customers. Best of all, it is free to get started. Learn how HubSpot can help your business grow better in 2023 and get a special offer of 20% off on eligible plans at HubSpot.com slash Gold Digger. Gold Diggers, we all know the B2B landscape can be a bit complex. From lengthy buying cycles to complicated decision-making processes, reaching your target audience can be tough. But I found a solution tailored just for you. LinkedIn ads. A whopping 79% of B2B content marketers say LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. That's because with LinkedIn ads, you're not just casting a wide net and hoping for the best. You're strategically building relationships and driving real results. We're talking about a platform with over a billion members, including 180 million senior level executives and 10 million C-level executives. You are networking with the actual decision makers. And LinkedIn's targeting and measurement tools are specifically designed for for B2B marketers, meaning you're not wasting time or money on irrelevant leads. In fact, in the tech industry, LinkedIn ads have been shown to generate two to five times higher return on ad spend compared to other social media platforms. Using LinkedIn ads allows you to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to industry trends and developments, whether it's finding the perfect partner for a collaboration or uncovering new opportunities for growth, LinkedIn can be your secret weapon. Make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash goal to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash goal. Terms and conditions apply. 
Someone asked me, how did you balance your hormones? And Bridget helped me with this one. So she said, hormonal imbalance is so incredibly common, especially in females and may contribute to painful cycles, irregular cycles, infertility, weight gain, fatigue, hot flashes, and even worsen symptoms when going through menopause. It is important that we stop normalizing feeling bad and instead learn to understand and support our hormones. Different people have different hormonal imbalances, but the key factors that Bridget focuses on in working through hormone imbalances are blood sugar balance, lower inflammation, improved gut health, lower stress, and mitochondrial function. And I can attest that we worked on all of those things together. And it was a really interesting time too, because when I started working with her, like I said, I was very postpartum. My hormones are still not normal because I am still breastfeeding Quinn. So it's been kind of this interesting journey, but we've just looked at ways to support them. And then again, through blood work and stuff, we're able to kind of see our things balancing out. I've learned also a lot about like how movement can really help support your estrogen and progesterone and testosterone. And so that's kind of been a stronger why behind the movement goals that I have as well. Okay. This might be the number one question I get asked. What do you eat in a day? (laughs) And it has been a question I get asked daily and something that people have requested to talk about. So let me first just say that everyone's diet and nutritional needs are very different. However, there have been a few themes in how I've changed my eating over the last year that has been super helpful. So on an optimal day, I would aim to get 20 grams of protein first thing in the morning. My blood work has shown that this would be super helpful for me. My nutritionist and my doctor have both talked about this importance. Now, a lot of times I'm just not hungry in the morning. And so I've had to figure out ways to get in 20 grams of protein that I don't hate because I want to enjoy food and I want to enjoy it. I do not get this done every single day, but it is something that I've been focusing on and trying to pay attention to how it makes me feel. So different ways you can get 20 grams of protein. So three eggs would be how many eggs you would want to eat if you wanted to get around 20 grams of protein. Greek yogurt with a couple of nuts and a little bit of fruit and granola. Great option. Some days I do a smoothie or a shake. So I love the Be Well by Kelly protein powder. It's a super clean protein. I really like it. And a lot of times I'll do it with like a daily harvest smoothie. I love there is this cacao and cold brew daily harvest smoothie. And oftentimes I will add a scoop of the protein, some flax seeds, some chia seeds into a daily harvest. And it makes it more of a complete. Kelly Levesque has an amazing smoothie recommendation that's called the Fab Four. So the Fab Four smoothie is a really great thing. It focuses on fat, fiber, protein, and greens. And so those are kind of the optimal ways that you can get some good protein in in the morning. Again, I'm not always great at it, but it's something that I have been trying to do. Every single morning, Drew and I will have lemon water with chia seeds. Chia is a great source of fiber to kick off your day. There have been interesting studies around that as it could be like a detoxing drink or a great way to do a little internal cleanse to start off your day. And then for lunch, again, I'm just focusing on protein. A lot of times when I was really busy, like with my book launch, I would get like chomps meat sticks and I would have bone broth and I would just kind of have different ways of prioritizing protein. I love making like almost like this little like pad thai soup with bone broth. I would add in some veggies and then I would add in some a little bit of rice noodles. Like I like to have some sort of texture in my food. And lunch, I would say, is a meal that we're consistently focusing on optimizing because a lot of times I notice that when I'm busy, I just grab fast and convenient foods instead of maybe the most optimal foods. And so Drew and I have been talking a lot about like, what can we do in terms of food prep that will help us to like make lunches more optimal? Another thing that I often do for lunch is I will do a can of tuna with avocado mayo. Sometimes I'll almost make like a little tuna casserole. If you're from the Midwest, like tuna noodle casserole is like a legit thing. And so I'll do like peas and tuna and mayo and I'll crunch up either some crackers on top or something like that. But I've just been trying to again, prioritize protein. And then at night, Drew and I often do HelloFresh and we have literally done HelloFresh for like seven years. The other day I had to chat with their support and they're like, you have ordered like 499 boxes or something insane. 
we're actually looking at some different meal delivery options. Bridget has been logging in and like selecting the best meals out of their menu. But we've kind of been finding that if we're looking at it from like a macro standpoint in terms of protein, carbs, and fat, they aren't the most optimal. However, for us, it's just part of our routine and it's something that we enjoy and it simplifies meals for us. So they're not the worst, but we're kind of looking at different options for meal delivery services because we really enjoy getting that box and not having to think about menu planning. And so that's kind of been my day. So aiming to get 20 grams of protein in the morning, aiming to just have a more optimal lunch. What does that look like? It changes every day. I mean, honestly, some days it's me eating the kids chicken nuggets for lunch. However, that's a decent source of protein. And then other days it's like super optimally focused, but I am not a huge person that could like eat the same salad every single day. And then for dinner, we usually do a HelloFresh and that has worked really well as well. So another question, how did you navigate breastfeeding while changing your lifestyle? Any concerns on milk supply dropping? So yes, this was something that was really interesting. So at the beginning of working with Bridget, she was like, you are not eating enough, especially in those early nursing days. She said like a lot of moms are not eating enough calories that are required in order to create the amount of milk that you need to make. So at the beginning, it was actually increasing what I was eating, but also just like optimizing what I was eating. As we went through this whole journey and Quinn started on solids, I definitely noticed my milk supply started to go down, but it was still appropriate for where we were at in terms of our eating. For me, I really had to balance looking at like, okay, how do I fuel myself enough to be able to feed my child, but also... How does my lifestyle changes affect me energetically? And how does that play out with Quinn? And I was 100% like all in on nursing, but I also was willing to really pay attention to my body and notice if anything was changing in terms of my supply and then make sure one, that I was eating enough, but also leaning on other tools and stuff. So there is a point in my health journey where I think Quinn was about nine months old and I felt like my supply was going down a little bit. And it was like a number of factors. So I wouldn't blame or pinpoint one thing. But I was like, I think that we need to just give her at least one bottle of formula a day because my supply is going down. I did all the things to try to raise it back up. And it just wasn't going up. And I felt like my body was leveling out in a good way. And so then Drew every night, he would take the dream feed and do one bottle of formula. And that kind of was almost like a supplement for her. And so I have focused on my milk supply. And I've made sure that it's been consistent and exactly what she needs. But I've also leveraged other tools instead of stressing myself out. Because with cocoa, I didn't use formula or anything like that. And with Quinn, we used it towards the end of her first year of life before she could drink cow's milk for like one bottle a day. And it kind of took the stress off of me because I remember with cocoa, anytime my supply would tank, I would get stressed and then it would tank worse. And so I think I just maybe had a little bit more balanced approach. But I also feel like I was showing up differently because of this health journey in other ways. And so even if my supply was changed just slightly, it was worth it to me because I was more energized. I was more present as a mom. Someone asked, what is the green juice you drink and recommend? I am not paid by this company. I wish I was because they do a lot of podcast sponsorships, which is probably where I heard of them. I drink Athletic Greens or AG1. I've heard about it on a million different podcasts. I am a paying customer of it. And here's what's interesting. Some people don't really like the taste. I actually don't hate the taste. In fact, Coco likes it. So whenever I make one, she's like, Mom, can I have some? And she'll have like a little cup with some in it. I really like it. My nutritionist likes it too. I try to get at least one of those in a day because I'm not someone who naturally craves greens or salads or anything like that. And so it's been really helpful. It has a ton of nutrients. It's basically like a vitamin green drink. It's actually really profound when you look at what's inside of it. And so AG1, I actually really love it. I've been drinking it for the last year and it's something that's kind of become a staple in our family. Okay. Someone asked, how did you lower your blood sugar levels? Did you cut out all carbs and sugar? No, I did not. Never cut out all carbs. I still love eating carbs. I eat fruit. I eat whole grains that are gluten-free. I eat starchy vegetables like potatoes and beans. I never went on a restrictive diet. I never went on keto. In fact, I did a lot of research and like keto for me specifically would not be a good diet. 
So here are four key ways that I was able to lower my blood sugar level. So one, focusing on eating more whole foods. Two, limiting the number of times of eating added sugar to once per day. So I have a sweet tooth and I've kind of had to rein that in slightly, which honestly naturally happened with my cravings being decreased. And so I'll talk about that in a minute. I've increased my protein intake. As you can tell, that is the number one focus and the biggest change in my diet. And I've also kind of stopped grazing and focused on eating more substantial meals. So really being thoughtful about the meal, which means I'm not on this glucose roller coaster where I'm like super energized and then I'm hitting the slump and then I'm energized again. And so that was the four main ways that I was able to help with lowering my blood sugar levels. Someone asked, what were some motivators to stay gluten-free? So I've actually been gluten-free for five years, over five years. When we went through our second miscarriage, I actually, this kind of kickstarted all of my blood testing and kind of getting into more of this like holistic health. And the day that I found out that my body could not tolerate gluten, I did this test and literally nearly every result was in the red on my body's ability to process all different kinds of gluten. I actually just went cold turkey on it. And what's interesting is, is that once I got the hang of being gluten-free, it's been relatively easy. Like I know what I can eat. I know what I can't eat. I know what questions to ask. My family has been incredibly accommodating, which is really awesome. Both me and my sister are gluten-free. And in situations, if I don't know if there's going to be different options, I always have snacks with me. It's really interesting because I'm honestly not even really tempted by foods with gluten because I just know that I'm not going to feel well. And that has just been honestly, once I know something about my body and I really see like, hey, there is proof or evidence that you need this or you don't need this or this doesn't work with your body. For me, it's a lot easier. So that's why like lab work has been a big part of my learning. Because again, I could learn all the generalized health knowledge in the world. It just doesn't stick the same unless I know like here are the actual values and here's what your body is telling us. And so I've been gluten-free for five years and I'm very used to it at this point. I know what it's like to feel completely thrown off your game because you're just not motivated or your mind isn't in the right space. That's why I'm thrilled to tell you all about superhuman activations. Now, if meditation isn't for you, you need to try activations instead. Activations are a groundbreaking new type of audio that's this mix of a motivational podcast, cinematic music, and guided visualization. They are fundamentally different from meditation and a lot more exciting to listen to. Instead of calming you, activations are motivating, energizing, and transformative. You'll reach your goals faster whether you want to earn more money, get clarity, achieve a health goal, or feel like you're reaching your highest potential. They're essentially a shortcut to get to where you want to be and the ultimate way to visualize your future self. And you can only find them on the Superhuman app. I use and love Superhuman and find myself playing activation several times a day, whether I'm baking bread, doing my skincare, or even when I'm in the shower. Superhuman offers something completely different to other apps out there, and I cannot wait for you to try them. Take advantage of their 14-day free trial and head over to activations.com forward slash gold digger to start your trial and save over 60% off your membership. There is literally no risk. If you change your mind and forget to cancel after the trial, you're covered by their money back guarantee. The discount is only available through their website, not the app store. So visit activations.com forward slash gold digger now for over 60% off. Do not miss out on this crazy deal. They rarely do discounts and it expires soon. That's activations.com forward slash gold digger. Hey, gold diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer 
team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. On top of my many titles as mom, entrepreneur, and creative, I've also added host. Drew and I host on Airbnb on our favorite island in Hawaii. We started hosting as a way to make some extra income, and we've had such an easy breezy experience. Now we host year after year, and it's been a fantastic side hustle. Not to brag, but we've also been crowned Airbnb Superhost several times, so we are really killing the game. It's about having spaces we can enjoy as a family while creating memorable experiences for our guests, and it helps that we earn a little extra cash on the side. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Someone asked, do you think you'll go back to drinking occasionally or are you good? So for those who don't know, I actually fully eliminated alcohol August 5th. I still remember the day I was in Arizona with one of my best friends. We had gone out to this incredible dinner at Nobu the night before. We had ordered spicy margaritas and then her husband had sent us a bottle of champagne and I mixed tequila and champagne. And I felt awful the next day. And I was just simply done. And it was interesting because I'd kind of been feeling this pull to cut alcohol in my life, but that kind of just helped me pull the trigger. I've not had a single drink or sip of alcohol since. And it was never really a part of my plan or even a part of my vision board. But I honestly have zero intention right now at this stage of my life to reintroduce drinking or even casual drinking. I just feel really good and I feel fine without it. And I've navigated a lot of what I thought would be the tricky situations, you know, with old friends or going out to our favorite bar or going out to a fancy dinner. And I've navigated all of those really easily with water or mocktails or whatever the occasion calls for in a non-alcoholic way. And I've just really enjoyed it. So at this stage, I'm not saying I'm never going to drink again. That's I don't really have an agenda with it. But right now, I just feel really good in a position of not drinking. And I think that it's also benefited my health, which has been great. So what are your biggest takeaways or best takeaways on healthy eating? So just being more conscious and intentional and really kind of looking at my plate and asking like, what values is this bringing to me personally? Again, prioritizing protein and trying to get 20 grams of protein every single meal. And then choosing foods that have more nutrient density. So more fiber, more nutrients that will keep me satisfied for longer. Before, I would say that like I ate a lot of processed foods. A lot of my foods came out of boxes and the freezer. And I've just kind of had to change that. And I still eat some of that stuff. And especially I notice when I'm busy or on the go or I haven't planned in advance, that's usually what I reach for. But on most days, just kind of having that higher level of understanding macros and understanding how food impacts that has been great. And then someone asked about sweet tooth moments. And one thing that's really interesting is that a lot of times your taste buds crave you know, what you've been giving it. And so with blood sugar balance and limiting a lot of the processed foods, it can decrease the frequency of having those cravings. And I remember when Bridget was telling me like, you can change your cravings. I'm like, that would be awesome, but I don't believe you. And so I still crave like a sweet moment after meals. A lot of times I will have like a little bit of dark chocolate. And I've just been also trying to be mindful at like my window of eating time. A lot of times we eat after the girls go to bed so that Drew and I can actually have like a meal together that's not rushed. And so just kind of making sure like I'm not having a dilly bar at 9pm and then going immediately to bed, just kind of figuring that out for me. And so like having dark chocolate in our freezer is probably like the best thing that we do. And then lastly, on the topic of food, favorite snacks to have on hand. So even in my vicinity, as I record this right now, 
I have meat sticks. So I love the Chomps brand, like those meat sticks. And even Coco likes eating those as well. I have these bone broth packets. So you can go on Amazon and just order bone broth packets. And a lot of people are like weirded out by it. But one, they're great protein. And sometimes I'll add like some pepper flakes or a little bit of salt or even like a little gluten-free soy sauce and just add a couple things to it. But that has been really great. I like a lot of nuts, even to the point where like one of my labs was showing that I was low in one nutrient. I think it was selenium. I can't remember. And Bridget was like, eat two Brazil nuts a day. And so like that became a part of like my supplementation was just understanding like I'm low in something. These Brazil nuts will help almonds, pistachios, some of my maybe weirder vices that aren't super optimal, but still helpful are like built bars. Like it's a protein bar. It tastes like a candy bar. It's probably not the best option, but it's better than an actual candy bar. And it has 20 grams of protein. Quest chips, again, more processed. However, 20 grams in a bag of chips. So I have some of those that like I recognize like maybe aren't the best, but it's better than the alternatives. I love nut butters. So things like that. And one thing that's been really great is like making sure I'm stocked up on those as like the first option. And so like even today when I came over to my office to work, I grabbed like a meat stick and I have like these things at my disposal. So those are the things that I grab for. Okay. The last kind of section of this episode is just more mindset related. So someone said, how do you struggle with losing weight or being healthy and not falling back into diet culture ways? And this has been huge for me. You know, I've struggled in the past with like very restrictive eating, you know, verging on like eating disorder type tendencies. And so I was really freaked out as well about that. And a lot of it had to change instead of looking at like what I cannot eat or what I am restricting, being empowered in what I am choosing to eat and having that confidence in those choices and those decisions. And so kind of changing my mindset on those things. And instead of saying like, I can't eat that, like I am choosing to eat something different. And so I've really had to reframe a lot of that. And also like, I am not following a specific diet. And so when people ask me every single day, like, what are you eating? What are you eating? What are you eating? Like, I can't say like, Hey, I am doing this diet where I eat exactly these three things every single day. I don't do that. Like I can't do that. I don't want to do that. That doesn't sound fun to me. It's probably not great for my body. So it's been really interesting because I'm not counting calories. I'm not counting carbs. I'm really truly just focusing on prioritizing the right things and just being more mindful around that. And so that has been really huge for me. And I would say like, pay attention to what triggers you and also pay attention to like what empowers you and leveraging that. And the next question was, how do you stop emotional eating? And I talked about this in episode 608. But one of the biggest questions that has helped me so much is asking myself, what would the healthiest version of me choose right now? I gave the example of when I used to fly, every time I get on a plane, I would drink Diet Coke, which is so weird because I don't drink Diet Coke anywhere else. But I just like started to correlate flying with Diet Coke. And I remember when I was starting kind of this health journey, I was on a plane and the flight attendant asked what I would want to drink. And I had this moment of like, what would the healthiest version of me choose right now? Water. I would choose water. And so that question has really helped The other piece is is that I used to always look at food as a punishment or a celebration, which meant that every time I was eating, it was emotional, right? And now I'm eating to fuel myself. Now I'm eating to give myself energy. And so again, I dive into this in episode 608. And I think that'd be an awesome place to start. But I often ask myself, what would the healthiest version of me choose right now? And that has just been a really great question to help me avoid emotional eating and to kind of get more in tune with my emotions and how they affect what I am craving and why I'm craving it. Of all the changes you made, what are the top three that made the biggest difference? So number one, focusing on how I wanted to feel and not look was huge for me. Losing weight was a byproduct of all of the health changes I made over the last year. And those health changes started off of how do I want to feel? At this point, I've probably lost about 40 pounds from where my status quo was of like before I was pregnant weight. And it's crazy to me because I probably haven't weighed this, I don't know, 
maybe since we got married and I was really restrictively eating to fit into my wedding dress and to look a certain way. But it's crazy because again, focusing on how I want to feel. And that is still the key motivator for me every single day is like, how do I want to feel? The second change that I made that made the biggest difference, again, prioritizing protein in my diet and looking for ways to make my meals actually help fuel me through my day and change that. Really understanding like an optimal plate and what that looks like. And also incorporating some of the things that I naturally love, like say noodles with the protein and the fiber and the other pieces of the equation. So I don't feel like I'm restricted, but that I'm optimizing the meal in front of me. And then the last thing I would say is finding other ways that I enjoyed working on my health. So again, like the biohacking stuff, like I love it. Every single day I sit in front of my red light. I love that. I have been in our sauna every single day this year, except for one so far. And I love it. And to me, those are ways that I am focusing on my health that I truly enjoy that don't feel like a ton of work, but feel like I'm moving my body in the right direction and that it's benefiting me. And so if you are not the traditional person who's like, I'm craving an intense workout and I want to get after it, but you want to focus on your health, maybe there are different things that you can incorporate into your health routine that you are excited by or curious about that will help jumpstart this whole transition for you. Last question is this, how much did your year of transformation cost? I'm curious. Okay. So I actually had to do a little bit of research in this. And I want to preface this by saying, I wish this was free for each and every single person. I think the medical system is so broken and so backwards. And we are treating sick people instead of encouraging health. And you know, all of that can be talked about on a different show. But I paid for all of this out of my own pocket because we do not have traditional health insurance. However, if you do have traditional health insurance, there are likely ways that it could be a lot less. I'm actually exploring this a lot with my parents right now, where they are kind of mixing some of the modalities of the things that we've done to improve our health along with their regular doctor. And so kind of working through both modes and modalities in terms of like health insurance. So I would say that a lot of my health transformation came through the assistance of tools in terms of like biohacking. So my red light, my PMF mat, my meditation device, there was a lot of different things that I really enjoyed. So I would probably say that if I totaled all of those things up in the last year, I probably spent about $4,000 on different tools. And I reviewed and priced out all of my favorites on episode 622, there is a link to that show all about biohacking inside of the show notes and the description for today's show. So those were not cheap, right? Those are not cheap. However, I use them every day. My family uses them. We love those tools. And it was a really huge part about me changing my habits and my routine. And then I would say with things like blood work and vitamin IVs and hiring a nutritionist and doing DNA methylation and getting monthly supplements, it's probably about another $5,000 or so. So I probably invested around $10,000 into my health, give or take last year. And I did that out of my pocket. Now, again, I 100% recognize this would not be feasible for many people, but I am putting my money where my mouth is. Like, you know, when you watch, you know, like the Kardashians and you're like, well, of course I would look like that if I had all the time in the world and I had chefs and I had all these things. Like I used to always say, like, I would prioritize my health when I could financially afford it. And I'm in a place where I can. And so last year was really putting my money where my mouth was in that. And again, I think there are different ways that you could make it way more affordable if you get creative in what that looks like. So this is a long episode, but I hope it was beneficial. I hope you're feeling inspired. I hope you're enlightened. I welcome all of your questions and I am grateful for your curiosity. Honestly, to me, the curiosity shows that like you can notice the changes and in those changes, I feel like I personally show up differently and I'm proud of that. I'm really proud of how I stuck with it over the last year and how I have no plans to stop because once you finally feel good, you never want to go back to not feeling this way. Now that I know how good good feels, I never want to go backwards again. I never want to go back to that place where I was always exhausted and tired and never had enough energy. And so I hope that this episode inspired you. I've linked to a lot of the different shows and references 
and different resources in the show description and the show notes for today's episode. And I guess all that's left to say is until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest goals. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. And thank you for being a part of my life and my journey. I'll talk to you soon. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you just finished another episode of the Gold Digger Podcast. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to golddiggerpodcast.com for show notes and all the discount codes from today's sponsors. And if you're looking for a new crew of movers and shakers like you to bounce ideas and ask questions, be sure to join my exclusive community for gold diggers on Facebook. The link's waiting for you at golddiggerpodcast.com. Hey, Gold Diggers. Lately, I've been getting excited to finish furnishing our new home, which is why I want to tell you about a brand that we absolutely love, which is Article. I have been a fan and a customer of Article for years. I'm always blown away by the curated assortment of furniture styles they offer. They have mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandinavian, and even boho designs. There is something for everyone, no matter your taste. In our last house, we had their sofa and leather chairs. At our lake house, we have their dining table and chairs. We also just ordered some of their outdoor furniture for our new patio. Like, if you can't tell, we are obsessed with Article. The quality and style are top-notch. Article's online-only model means that they can offer some great prices with fast and hassle-free delivery. Pick the delivery time that works for you, and they keep you updated every step of the way. Article's customer care team is also amazing. They're knowledgeable, friendly, and always there when you need them. If you're like me and you're itching to give your home a makeover, I highly recommend checking out Article. They believe in delightful design for every home. And thanks to their commitment to style, quality, and affordability, it's never been easier to transform your space. Article is offering our listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. To claim, visit article.com slash gold digger and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. That's article.com slash gold digger for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more.